All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pervratsky alongside the newest Gopher Soccer assistant coach. Previously, she was an assistant at the University of Utah, where she also was a four-year star. She played professionally in Belgium, Germany, Japan, and for several teams in the NWSL right here in the States. Allie Wisner, everybody. Allie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. This is, you are continuing a long running trend of uh, gopher assistant coaches being far too accommodating and being willing to do a show within minutes of their announcement of getting hired. So thank you for continuing to be way too nice to a weird dude who writes about your soccer team. I love it. Anything I can do. And I'm used to the fast pace at this point. So keep it coming. That's true. That's true. You've seen, you've seen it all at this point. You're a pro. Yeah. So, Allie, uh, you are the final piece in another iteration of an all-women staff at the U. Uh, Steph Golan's last staff was was all all women, and now Aaron's first inaugural staff is all women. I personally love how hard the U pushed that in your announcement, where they were just big dogging. They said one of only two all-female yeah. staffs in the Big Ten, and as staffs are currently constructed, because there's some shuffling going on, one of only three in the Power Five, which is like. It's for anyone who's followed the game, it's not shocking because you see a lot of bros, but it is still sort of like a fun, cool thing. Other than being part of such a cool, you know, badass group of women, what made you curious about um, applying and coming to join the U? Yeah, um, I mean, my biggest draw was Aaron, and I kept hearing great things about Aaron. So, um, but also the program, um, Minnesota came out and played Utah a couple mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and did really well. And um, so that was intriguing, just knowing a little bit about them. Um, mm -hmm. And then also some, you know, gophers going on to play professionally. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's pretty neat. And I think that's becoming more prominent. So um, creating that kind of environment and culture as well. Um, but yeah, I would say Aaron and Maya and SJ and really the people I met um, through the interview process just, um, really um, made me excited about applying yeah. and continue the process. So, yeah. I it's funny that I didn't even connect those dots when you mentioned the U going up to play Utah in what I dubbed the Utah Cup when they played you, you guys at Utah and then Utah State. Mm -hmm. And certainly no one was asking for that branding, but I remember that sort of all Utah road trip. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's now that it's COVID, I don't even think back to those seasons, even like two seasons ago. <laughs> it feels like a decade ago. It's kind of funny yeah. to think back that far. Yeah, yeah, same. I was kind of like, you know, started doing my research and I was like, oh, that seemed forever ago. But yeah, yeah, it was actually still pretty recent, so. And you mentioning U of M players going to play pro, it means that I am going to answer for you and say that you were a big equal time soccer fan. You must've been following our coverage. I'm gonna, you don't need to correct me. You don't have to correct me. I'm gonna say that you were and are a big equal time fan. 100%. And, that, and that's what got you to apply. We're gonna, yep. we're gonna okay. claim credit. We're gonna claim for credit. For sure, that's great. So we will get more into your internet footprint later on in a segment called The Internet Said It, which you obviously know all about because you watch all of our shows. Yep, but yep. based on that, based on your modest internet footprint, which congratulations, you have a much more healthier relationship to the internet than me. So good job. <laughs> you seem to have been an attacking player in your playing days. And we're going we're gonna to go to the tape quickly to take ah. a look at that. Look at you get on the end of that one. That's <laughs> we'll watch it. Let's watch it one more time. 
So this is, yeah. I, I think that's a nice, that's a nice sort of just find the ball and get on the end of it. You, so talk, do you remember that? Goal? Well, yes, I remember that one. And then there's one with USC that it's pretty similar. That's a pretty good um, snapshot of just me being gritty and pretty much who I am as a player in person was just gritty and just wanting to win. I was just a huge competitor would do anything I could to score or help my team win. So that's, yeah. you know, I probably wasn't um, the most technical or, um, you know, but I, I found a way to score because, you know, I was just such a competitor. So hey, finding a way to get on the end of the ball and being a little bit gritty and maybe not the most purely technical player. I think you're going to find a player you really love on this team. And I'm going to see if you can guess who it is and you shouldn't be able to, but I'm going to see if you can guess later on. Uh, okay. <laughs> so you, but you are, as you said, you're an attacker, you're joining Maya Hayes, who is a pro striker, yeah. Aaron, who I think was kind of a midfielder, but really was an attacker. So I guess my question is, are, are you guys planning on winning games like 10 to nine? Like what's the, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We're not even going to worry about the defense. We're just going to say you guys just, you know, do your thing and we're just going to score a bunch of goals. Um, how, much, how much How much did that come up in the interview process, though? Because I think there is an assumption by folks like me and maybe others that if, you know, when Steph was here, I think people thought of Steph as kind of like a midfield defensive type coach. So sometimes she had sort of a purely defensive coach like Crystal Seidel some, or, or Becky Fletcher Mains. Sometimes she'd bring in a pure attacker like Maya Hayes as sort of like complimentary. Mm -hmm. And obviously all of you know the game, like all of you know different phases of the game, but how much when you were interviewing did that part of like maybe duplicative or overlapping skill sets come up versus do we all also know how to coach defense? We're not idiots, but like how much did that come up? Yeah, um, I think, well, first I knew both um, of Maya and Aaron, um, kind of their attacking mindset, um, mm -hmm. going into it. Um, but I think with Aaron's wealth of knowledge that, mm -hmm. um, she'll be able to kind of, um, come in and really take care of the defensive part. And while me and Maya will also, you know, put our two cents in there. Yeah. Um, but honestly through the process and which is also why I was so drawn to Minnesota was um, more of the non-soccer pieces as well. Like mm -hmm. they were interested in who I am as a person and how I'm going to affect the players as people. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we'll, we'll sort out the X's and O's. Um, I think Aaron feels really confident in that side of us as well. Um, mm -hmm. But I think she was really concerned in, um, very intentional with the person she was bringing in and how that person's going to affect these young women. Um, so yeah, to kind of answer your question in a roundabout way, we'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, listen, we've had plenty of teams in my, I've been covering the Gophers since around 2016. We've had plenty of teams in this era that do a lot of one zero wins. I, I don't think anyone will complain if it's a little bit more high scoring. So, and granted, I think a really badass defense is fantastic. And I love Same. a you know, I love a good press. So maybe you all as strikers will have, <laughs> have experience being like the, the tip of the the press or something. If you can if you can get a good press going, I will be so, so psyched. So that's great. <laughs> and one one thing I'm super curious about, and I think for a head coach, the answer is maybe a little different than an assistant, 
But when you apply for the job, how much like this one or any other ones that you've applied for before, how much do you try and watch tape of the team you're applying to? Not just so you could answer a random pro forma, like uh, question about the random roster, but also sort of for your own selfish reasons to see what kind of attackers do they have? Like, would this be fun to work with the system or do they have some really gritty midfielders that I'd love to work with? How much do you do that versus not just in terms of what can you really learn from tape versus or not getting your hopes up or whatever? Do you do any of that? Or is it really more sure. of I've seen the team and I kind of know, but I'm not going to go watch freaking seven games from this last spring. Right. It's a little bit of both for sure. I mean, I think I, through the process right after, I guess, April um, and, you know, looking at different programs and right. as they popped up, um, doing my research in film and in looking at the rosters, um, you know, past season, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of them, to be honest, were more local or that I have mm -hmm. seen over right. the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, and mm. it's really like, it starts to get exciting once you start watching film, yeah. um, of different programs you could be a part of and stuff like that. So I think it's more of a like intriguing factor of like, oh, I could really see myself there with these players or, or right. I could really help in this, in this realm of the game for them, things like that. Right. So, so is it, is it even fair, as I mentioned earlier, to try and make you guess which like no. scrappy thing <laughs> So I I personally think the way you described yourself is how I describe Sadie Harper. So, cool. so Sadie Harper is like one of the equal time soccer all-stars where like I I have very people know based on my coverage, they are players that like I gravitate towards because they're either gritty or they're really confident on the ball or some not they're not cool. always the ones who win the awards. Sadie Harper is just like a I don't give a shit. I'm going to try and hunt down yes. the ball. And she goes in and she's been part of some decent, some fairly low scoring squads her first two years. And so she was like one of the leading goal scorers with like three goals on a team that only scored like 10, you know, like, awesome. so, yeah. so Sadie Harper is the one that I think you were describing. Although I think you as like a, as a number 10, maybe had a little more glitz than the, the, than you're describing. I think you're being a little self-effacing <laughs> probably. Yeah, we'll see. But I'm looking forward to working with Sadie then. That'll be yeah. fun. That sounds like fun. That's my well, player. And she'll have her younger sister on the team, so there'll be a sister vibe. And then the next year, Izzy Brown's sister will be here. There's going to be a whole sister vibe for a few years awesome. at the Gopher team. So look out. It's going to get I, wild. I love that. I love that. And so, Allie, during your three years on staff at Utah, I you, or you spent three years there on staff, and I'm super curious about sort of for you having played in so many different settings professionally, um, you know, overseas and domestically. For you, obviously, you knew the game coming into coaching, having been a player, but what were some of the ins and outs that you really learned from sort of the quote-unquote business side that you were most surprised about in terms of having to recruit in the Pac-12 or like having to plan practices or do these things where maybe your perspective on something changed because you're like, oh, now I'm on the other side. I see what it takes to do all of this crap that goes into running these teams. What were some of those big things for you, whether it's, you know, the recruiting side or practice or, or whatever? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think so much appreciation for the coaches 
-hmm. because like you're saying, there's so many intricacies that go into it behind the scenes that you don't understand as a player. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think even as a player, I had a really good relationship with Rich and Scott and Gabe Smart. And so I think I was already on the side of understanding how much time and effort they really put in. Mm -hmm. But then to really step in, you know, over that line and be um, full-time coaching, I was like, holy cow, like these people care so much about these players. Like that was my hugest, yeah, it was just my biggest takeaway is like you could not not care about these humans so much because of the time, like the time is just crazy. And, Mm -hmm. um, and of course the staff I worked with at Utah went above and beyond, like, they didn't do the bare minimum. They were doing everything they could for these athletes. So um, they gave me a great example. And also, like you're saying, taught me the ins and outs of the business side of it um, and the non-coaching parts of it, which Mm -hmm. do take up a lot of time. Um, So yeah, a lot of respect and just appreciation for the people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's great. Well, and what are, what are some of those things, especially about the recruiting process? Obviously, Pac-12, slightly different geographic footprint, but still obviously very high-level league. I think probably seen as maybe even stronger than the Big Ten, if you're talking about the conference as a whole, whatever. But even on the recruiting side, what are some of those really big sort of things that you learned without giving away all of the Ali Wisner recruiting secret uh, that really sort of jumped out at you um, that now are sort of a mainstay that you have to use in trying to, you know, get these young women to come be part of your, your team? Yeah, I think, um, especially this last year in COVID was just getting to know these players and families, um, off the field, I think Mm -hmm. just went, um, a really long ways because at the end of the day, you know, these families and parents are, you know, kind of giving their kids away and hoping they're in good hands and it's a good fit. Um, so assuring them, that that is if they are um and being you know transparent and um as front as upfront as possible Mm -hmm. um so i think i think that was one of my biggest takeaways and then just finding the right um the right player the right fit for the programs Mm -hmm. um and you know at utah it's it's uh and at minnesota it'll be the same thing finding the niche Um, and finding the right athlete for the program. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in in sort of a half-joking way, also when you started talking about recruiting, um, so you're younger than me, but still I always wonder for folks like you who like played professionally a few years, even like Maya, played professionally a few years, Mm -hmm. and now you're on the recruiting trail and learning that recruiting process, since recruiting starts so young and you're talking to like 15 year olds and 16 year olds, I don't know, I'm sure I'm getting the rules wrong, but like 14, 15, 16 year olds, is there ever times where you start to feel like, oh my God, I'm old. Like I'm talking to like a 16 year old and I'm not doing like, even though you're not very old at all, you know, you're like whatever, 30 years old or however old you are. Did you, did you ever have times in that process? Cause that's been the, the, the case for me, you know, I'm in my thirties, but when I talk to these like 18 year old players, you see them on the field and yeah. they're such amazing athletes that you sort of project this like age onto them. And then when you talk to them, you're like, 
holy shit, you're you're that yeah. good. You feel like such a kid. But for you, oh, yeah. do you ever feel like old now that you're like out of the playing days and talking to these young players? A hundred percent. And especially when you start to see the years and the dates, you're like, oh, wow, I'm a solid 10 years older. And, and then there's the aspect of like having the conversations or being on the field and them seeing me. And mm -hmm. I, I probably don't look very old. I get that a lot. And so there's, it's so interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And then also just how recruiting goes now is right. just really different. Mm -hmm. um, and also I would say the younger players and how they communicate with you, like they, yeah. you know, prefer text or they're a bit nervous to get on a phone call where I am like face to face. I love, you know, really talking to them, getting on a yeah. phone, getting on FaceTime, yeah. you know, the personal aspects where they're, it's a little scarier for them than maybe it was yeah. um, when I was younger. So, um, you know, when I was younger with all these uh, new technologies, but um, yeah, I definitely yeah. feel old sometimes, but. Yeah. You're, and well, and also I'm, I'm kind of curious. So you're from Bozeman, Montana, right? So mm -hmm. you're, when you were a player and getting recruited, what type of programs were on your landscape? Like, were you, were you getting talked to by a bunch of different D1 programs? Was Utah sort of the one you always had a, an affinity for, or what was that process like for you to go through in terms of how you like project your own experience with the, the kids you're talking to? Yeah. So, um, Bozeman was a small town when I was growing up, mm -hmm. like one high school, one main street town. Um, and so I actually ended up moving partway through high school mm -hmm. to California um, with the help of my club coach. He connected me with a um, Southern Cal coach and I went and played club over there. My brother was um, playing at a JC. He was playing football there. So I bunked on his couch and... Um, so Utah wasn't anywhere on my radar, to be honest. Right. Um, I didn't know of them. And really, they were close to Bozeman. Like, it's a six-hour right. drive, which is close for me yeah. out of Montana. But um, didn't know much about them. And I was guest playing and, um, you know, through some coach interactions with mm -hmm. my club coach, um, I had a visit. And I had looked at University of Arizona mm -hmm. um, and I think TCU – and those were, I would say, my like kind of last ones. I was late. I was a late bloomer. I didn't decide until my senior spring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, Utah came on the map and I loved, I don't know, I loved the players. I loved the staff. And um, it was kind honestly, it was kind of similar to like this experience of being, quote, recruited by Minnesota. It just felt right. Like, yeah, it, it was you know, you get this feeling of like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to go. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's much great. different. We didn't have the ECNL, the GAs. Um, yeah. So you kind of right. had to make your own way. It was interesting. Yeah. Committing as a senior is like only what walk-ons do now. It's like yeah. insane. Um, yeah. And I'm going to take a little bit to just thank uh, Pence Homes for supporting the show. Um, Allie, you're moving to a new place. I'm sure you guys might rent it first, but guess what? I have a perfect realtor for you to use. My, my wife and I just moved homes uh, last fall and Lydia from the Pent Homes team helped us and they worked with a financer, Angie, a couple of just awesome women who helped us, you know, get it done in an insane real estate market. So huge thanks to Pent Homes. Um, they support a lot of other soccer in the, the Twin Cities area. So big ups to them for supporting this coverage and helping us do more of this work. Thanks to them. And so next, I think, 
uh, I cover the Gophers pretty in depth, but I also part of the women's game I obsess about more than maybe other like most other soccer writers are the overseas opportunities mm. with you know women playing pro in you know the random countries yep. that Gopher alums have been to. You played in you know Belgium and Japan, which are not sort of quote unquote shiny pro markets. Germany a little more so. Mm -hmm. um, but how did playing in those settings and then having the comparison to the NWSL help you both so that when you were in the NWSL, you had some context for your opportunity, but also now when you talk to players who are even sort of conversationally curious about playing pro, how helpful is it for you to be able to have sort of a full picture of sort of, I think those are seen as two different roads, even though overseas could mean 50 different things, but those two sort of quote unquote options um, when you talk to players now, how helpful is it for you to have sort of lived both of those lives? Oh, yeah, I think it's so helpful. Um, I, I'm i a big advocate for players to go abroad um, mm -hmm. if they can't see game time in the NWSL. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, then you're put in somewhat professional environments and you're playing mm -hmm. consistently. Um, yeah. I think those are big factors in reaching the NWSL and then getting you know, playing time in the NWSL. Um, mm -hmm. I also just, I'm such a firm believer from my own experiences of playing abroad that it teaches you things that you can't be taught anywhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to really learn to lean on your own spine, figure out problems, learn a new language, communicate with people that can't understand you. Like there's just so many experiences mm -hmm. that you're just thrown into um, mm -hmm. that have just made me a stronger person. Right. And so I'm a huge advocate for players going abroad, even if, you know, they go to the NWSL and then the off season, they're going and playing abroad. I just, mm -hmm. it teaches you a lot of valuable lessons um, mm -hmm. that you can't really learn any other way. Um, well, and you played in, I mean, the Bundesliga is fairly established and, you know, like the, from the, if folks are hardcore equal time soccer fans, they've seen yeah. our, conversations with Jenny Clark played there for years, you know, we've had U of M players have sort of multiple year careers over there in Norway or wherever yeah. to say nothing of the players currently playing over there, like Rashida Beal and Molly Fiedler and all of the more recent ones. But yeah. for you, when you were in those places, was there, were there ever any like players that you, you got a, a chance to play against or with that are sort of still household names or any sort of cool experiences that stick out from your time in, you know, Belgium, Germany, Japan? Not necessarily. Um, mm -hmm. I, the clubs I was with in Germany were smaller, like family type mm -hmm. clubs. But yeah. it is cool now to look back and see, especially in Belgium, because mm -hmm. um, I was at Anderlecht, which was probably the top women's club. We were combined yeah. with the Netherlands at the time. But to see a lot of those players go play for their national team, yeah, it, it's so cool to see that. Like, oh, I know that player, or like, and to know them as people. Or yeah. like to have got to know them like early on in their careers. It's it's really cool. And things like that kind of pop up. Yeah. Um, and same thing with these like um, younger or um, maybe smaller club players to go on and right. get on with their national teams. Uh, there was a player I just um, I just saw the other day who's with um, North Carolina Courage. And uh -huh. I met her in Germany. I can't even remember club it was um but yeah to see her now come over here and she's an older player and she's yeah she's killing it so things like that i i think are pretty cool 
Yeah. The, well, and there's still this randomness factor in the women's game where because it's so still so unbelievably not glamorous to be playing that there's still plenty of folks like you who retire pretty young. And then there are some who continue to play. So like Ali Lipscher, who coached at the U and now coached in Kansas City, I think is younger than Nicole Barnhart, who she's coaching. You know, there's there's these yeah. really funny there's women's soccer, some of the kookiness and the sort of grittiness of it does lead to funny instances like that oh, where yeah. you know she's she's coaching Barney after having watched her as yeah. a you know like it's just like unbelievable to be in that situation so like yeah. you seeing players who are literally older than you and they're still playing you know yeah. that kind of thing well then especially when you were in Japan because I think one thing interesting about um Japan in particular even more than other Asian cultures I think is a little bit more homogenous than people think I think European countries obviously um, you know, maybe more or less diverse, but I think Japan is actually for folks who don't like pay attention is much more almost purely Japanese folks yep. than other countries. And for you being there, was that particularly interesting after having been in Belgium, Germany, back in the States and then back in, in a country like that? Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I think it was also kind of nice <laughs> when I was in, um, Belgium, right? They were speaking Dutch and French or a mixture of the two. And you had some that only spoke Dutch, some that only spoke French, and then none that spoke English. So that was very interesting to me. Um, but yeah, you are right. Um, and it was also like, they were very interested in the Americans or the internationals because it is so homogenous of you Japanese were, players. You were you were such a novelty for them. Yeah, they're like blue eyes. They're yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, well uh, you're, you're kind of a sandy blonde. Did that? Did like your hair stick out too? Oh yeah, and I have really curly hair, and they couldn't believe I had curly hair. Um, right. So yeah, I mean things like that were funny, but it was also nice to just have one language as well. Yeah. <laughs> one yeah. other language to learn. So. Right. Well, and let's jump in now, Allie. This is what everyone has been waiting for. And by everyone, I mean me. And this is a segment called The Internet Said It. And in this segment, I say things that the internet says about you, and you get to tell us either whether they're true or just a little more about them. So we're going to start off super easy, and this is, a, this is a positive, shiny one for you, Allie. The internet said that you tied for the team league for Utah in 2013 with five goals. So good for you, but big time. But do you know how many yellow cards you had that season? Ooh, did I have because, a lot? Well, here's here's the context. In another video I watched, there was some playing highlights of you, and within like 15 seconds, there were two slide tackles. I was like, yeah. wait, is this a forward? You were going to ground like all the time in this one little snippet. So, yeah. so it's not an astronomical number, but do you remember how many you had? Was it? No, I don't. I'm taking a guess. Was it two? Yes. Okay. It was two. I'm but a little you, disappointed. I wish I, I kind of remember. More, but that's do you remember any of those? No, no. Would they? Did you ever have like a really hard foul, or would they, would they have just been you complaining, trying to get a call or something? Mm, no, it would have been definitely a tackle. I was, yeah. I was the, you know, the player trying to get in the refs pocket being you know kind of nice whatever i would definitely you know argue but um i'm sure it was from a tackle or something did you well and see, seeing those two slide tackles some of them were you actually just trying to get the ball back like an immediate recovery tackle yep 
uh, yeah, or a loose ball. I think a yeah. lot of them were more loose balls of right. Um, okay, I'll I'll go to ground if it means I get a toe or something. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? But did you ever play much of a press, or have you ever coached much of a press? Um. Yeah, we did a little bit my last year. Um, and actually my partner was making fun of me for how little goals I had. He's like, weren't you an attacking player? And I was like, I was like, yeah, but I took a lot of pride in my defensive abilities. Um, so yeah, the, the last year, um, or last couple of years for sure. You're, he's like, he's like looking up Maya Hayes' stats and he's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh, he, he's like, but she scored a shitload of goals. I don't yeah. know what you were. What were you doing? I was like. I was recovering for my teammate or something. You were yeah. like, I was being a teammate, of course. <laughs> um, so this is our next one. The internet said you obviously have coaching experience at the University of Utah, but your first foot in the door was an administrative role. And so I want to know, what was that very glamorous first administrative role that you had at the athletic department? Yeah, so actually, um, when I first got – so I left Japan and came back um, mm -hmm. to Utah – for preseason with the Royals, um, that didn't work out. So I started, um, you know, Rich has always been a great um, person in my life. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, hey, why don't you look at the, you know, academic mentorship um, within the department. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually um, worked in academics for a little bit. And, oh, nice. Um, mentoring student athletes so my, my wife is actually an academic advisor for oh, university very cool. students, so there you go although awesome. i will i will tell you ali this team is mostly pretty hardcore nerds i don't know if they'll yeah. need help too much They're, i don't think they will either <laughs> you, know, you know what they might need from you ali i i do have a theory and other parents have mentioned this too and coaches some of these women are such like high achieving 4.0 getting my degree from Carlson, gonna have a great career type high achieving uh, women that I think they sometimes put almost too much pressure on themselves and they need to play a little bit chill. Yeah. So is that a vibe you could instill in them just to be a oh, little for chill? Sure. Yes, okay. I can definitely okay. do that. So it's actually the inverse, like Q, you know, Kyle, the academic advisor will be trying to get them to study up and you'll be like, take it easy, guys, take no, it easy. Yeah. You don't need to read that. It's <laughs> Chill okay. Out. Chill take out. a break. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great. And Aaron will be very mad at me after this. So <laughs> Too good. You, another, another one, we're not going to go to the clip on this, but the internet Thank said you. you have a history of being mic'd up at practice as a coach. I think I got to watch two of those videos of you being mic'd up during practice do I need to tell Trenton like this is in your contract? Like, is this going to be, are you going to, are we going to need, is this going to be a regular feature and we're going to get to hear you on the sidelines or, or what? I don't know. I don't know if you guys are going to want that. They had to edit a lot of it. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, this, this spring um, to kind of spice things up during COVID, we did a couple yeah. mic'd ups and Rich was a huge fan of them. So I think yeah. I, I had to be mic'd up twice. So I think that's great. I think that's great content, frankly. So all jokes aside, Trenton, I'm sure you're watching every minute of content I produce. So you're listening right now. <laughs> I I actually think that's a great idea. And I would love to see any of the coaches. I will say a lot of the times when I'm live tweeting games, if I'm not broadcasting and I'm live tweeting, I am standing next to SJ. And so I do actually kind of get nine <laughs> minutes of mic'd up next to that's SJ. That's pretty cool. So, I, I, I don't get the sideline style, but I actually do think it's a good idea. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And 
this is the last one. This is maybe the most important, Ali. Um, the internet said that you always painted your toenails black before every soccer game. Yeah, I think it was more my fingernails. Oh, okay. It's a bit embarrassing now. I just, okay. I think I thought I was like, you know, badass doing yeah. it or something. So, yeah. And I wear a lot of black, you know, it matched. I don't know. Okay. Did yeah. you did you lean into that persona other than just doing the nails though? Did you do the nails and then also kind of like try and be edgy and scary? Probably. I mean, okay. yeah, I think it was maybe a little bit of a, you know, alter ego, step on the field and kick some ass type I of thing. Think, <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's great because guess, like I said, a lot of the players on the Gophers are such like nice, intelligent mm. people that mm. I think there needs to be a little bit of an F you. I think there needs to be a little bit of a put on some bravado. So I think that's good. Also, cool. I did have a recent, Mark and I, my brother covers, is going to cover the Division Two conference in Minnesota. And oh, we cool. talked we talked to some former players to get some background before this fall. And one of them said Mankato state and they're over the, the Mavericks here that Mankato state is a long running sort of powerhouse D2 program. And some players who played against them say that they took what you did like to the insane extreme. They would like scream and bang on the walls against the locker room. Oh, so wow. the team would get freaked out. And I was like, Whoa, I didn't know. I didn't know it got that hot in the NSIC. Like it's, so I don't know if you're, I don't know if you ever went to that extreme. Not to that extreme. No. I, I do love that sort of gamesmanship though. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, Allie, thank you so much for joining us. You are still in Utah. We're coming, we're speaking across time zones right now, but um, you're coming back. I think the team goes to camp maybe like August 2nd or something. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I cannot believe it's only two weeks away. Yeah. Um, but really excited to talk to you and can't wait to see you on the sideline for the Gophers. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And I can't wait to get out there.